0: Welcome to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Sharon has a passion for Scripture that will motivate and challenge you to immerse yourself in God's Word and apply His message to your everyday life. Visit SeekingTruth.net to learn more about bringing Seeking Truth to your parish or to become an online learner. Today it's part two of the book of Genesis, chapter one. And now, Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Let's look at the order of the days. Day one, light. Day two, water. Day three, earth. Day four, sun. Day five, fish and and birds. Day six, beasts and then God rests on day seven. We'll get to that next week. But wait a minute. How could it be that light comes before the sun, before the day, before day four? How is this? What are we missing? Is anything missing here in this list of created things that that God missed? Did God make a mistake in his inerrant word? What, What did he do wrong? What is he missing here? There's something he created. That's not there. What is it? Put your thinking caps on. Where are the angels? I heard it. Where are the angels? Where are the angels? They're not listed in the list of created things. After Adam and Eve are banished from paradise. We know that there is a cherub and angel with a sword that guards the way to the garden. We know that angels were created but by then. There's an angel. He's a fallen angel named Lucifer. He puts himself in the form of a snake and comes right into Eve's ear. His name is Lucifer. When were the angels created? Hmm. Because angels are mentioned 108 times in the Old Testament and 165 times in the New Testament, so they're mentioned over 273 times in the Bible. So they're kind of important. And St. Augustine had the very same question, and he answered it in his book, City of God, chapter book number 11, chapter 9. He had the very same question after reading the first few sentences of the Bible. And he said this, when all things which are recorded to have been created, completed in six days, were created and arranged, how should the angels be omitted? as if they were not among the works of God from which he rested on the seventh day. Our catechism tells us the angels have been present since creation and throughout the history of creation, announcing this salvation from afar or near and serving the accomplishment of the divine plan. The angels closed the earthly paradise. The angels protected Lot and his daughters. In Genesis chapter 19, the the angel saved Hagar and her child Ishmael. The angel stayed the ham of Abraham so he didn't kill Isaac. The angels communicated the law by their ministry and they led the people of god through the desert the angel of the lord and the angels announced important births and callings and they assisted the prophets just to cite a few examples and finally the archangel gabriel announced the birth of the precursor the forerunner john the baptist who would announce the way for messiah that same angel Gabriel announced the birth of Jesus himself. So from the incarnation to the ascension, the life of the word incarnate is surrounded by the adoration and the service of angels. They're important created beings. When God brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him this baby. Their songs of praise at the birth of Christ have not ceased resounding in the church's praise in our liturgy when we sing glory to God in the highest at mass. They, the angels, protected Jesus when they would appear to Joseph in dreams. The angels ministered to Jesus after 40 days of no food in the desert. The angels came and ministered to him. They strengthened him. We learned last year in Luke, they strengthened him in his garden agony. When he was in excruciating pain, an angel came and ministered to him. And Christ told us that he could have asked the Father for legions of angels and not gone through with this whole thing. Angels were the evangelists who proclaimed the good news of Christ's incarnation as well as his resurrection when the women came to the tomb and saw the angels. And the angels will present Jesus in the second coming of Christ when he returns to announce the final judgment. These are all promised to us in scripture. So angels are kind of a big deal. (laughs) Like for God to forget them in his inspired word. So Augustine says this, for when God said, let there be light, and there was light, if we are justified in understanding in this light, the creation of the angels, that first light, that day one light, then certainly they were created partakers of the eternal light, which is the unchangeable wisdom of God, by which all things were made, and whom we call the only begotten Son of God. That initial light, that uncreated light, because Jesus has no creation, right? He always was. He's this unchangeable light. God is pure spirit. The angels are pure spirit. God has given some of this light, his light, his unchangeable light to create these spirit creatures called angels so that they being illuminated by the light that created them, God's unchanging light, they might themselves become light and be called Day, capital D. There it is. They might be called Day, capital D, in participation of that unchangeable light and Day, capital D, which is the word of God by whom both themselves and all else were made. Ah, brilliant, Augustine, brilliant, Augustine. This is how the ancients thought. They thought about these things. They're not stupid and we're so enlightened now. No, they're brilliant. So light on the first day is the unchangeable light of God. St. Augustine said angel is the name of their office not their nature and if you seek the name of their nature it's spirit if you seek the name of their office it's angel from what they are spirit from what they do angel and what do they do They're servants and messengers of almighty god and angels are purely spiritual creatures they have intelligence and they have will and some of them have very strong will and you know who i mean and they are personal immortal creatures surpassing in perfection all visible creatures They surpass us in perfection and they have splendor and their glory bears witness to God in this unchangeable light, the spirit of God. So I love that. Christ is the center of the angelic world. They are his angels. Angels belong to him still more because he has made them messengers of his saving plan. And who's the plan for? They are not all ministering spirits sent forth to serve for the sake of those who are to obtain salvation. The angels are created for Bill, for Nancy, for Julie, for Linda, for Don, for Amy, for Maureen, for Mark. The angels are his. And they have to minister to the plan of salvation for us creatures. We'll talk about that next week. Satan can't stand it. He can't stand the plan. And he gets to see it with full knowledge and full intelligence. And he's going to use his full will against God's plan. And he's going to say, I will not serve this plan. And so in the light, the angels were created day one. And Jesus is the light from light. He said, "Un." unchangeable light he's begotten not made he's consubstantial with the father and god said let there be light and there was light unchangeable light of god's spirit now god saw that that light was good and god separated the light from the darkness what's that god separated the light the light was good and god separated the light from the darkness hmm Yes. That was the fall of the angels. That was the fall of the angels. And Satan said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from the sky. He says it in Luke chapter 10. That was the fall of the angels when God separated the light from the dark. We had a prophecy in Ezekiel 28 when we studied, uh, That book, and it was about the king of Tyre, but it was an analogy with the fall of Lucifer. He says, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect and beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God and I expelled you. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. Isaiah 14, we learned how you have fallen From heaven, O star of morning, sun of dawn, you have been cut down to the earth, you who weaken the nations. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And I will sit on the mount of the assembly. Satan became very proud and arrogant and God separated. He said, I will not serve this plan. And God separates the light from the darkness. The fall of the angels, day one. God called. The light day, capital D, the good angels. God called the darkness night, capital N, a proper name, the bad angels. Two-thirds, one-third. This is the age-old question everyone wants to know. It's on talk shows. Why did God in this type of world, there no good God would do? Why did God create evil? He didn't. God never, ever, 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 ever created evil. God can only create good only. James says that every good endowment and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. It's the unchangeable light of God, the unchangeable light and day, which is the word of God. God gave the pure spirit angels that he created. He created them all good, all the angels, but he gave them a gift and he gave it to us as well. And what is it? free will they had free will so they could choose evil and evil is the separation from god god only makes good and they freely chose evil so god separated the light from the darkness god called the light capital d day god called the darkness capital n night that divine uncreated light of god the unchangeable light of god which Augustine says is the word of God. And John says in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus Christ is full of that unchangeable light of God, right? In his divinity, he's fully human and fully divine. So he has that light in him and he calls himself. I am the light of the world. And he who follows me will not walk in darkness. If you follow me, you will not walk in separation from me in night, in darkness. But you will have the light of life if you follow me, the light. Jesus is the divine light, the uncreated light, the unchangeable light, the light of God, the word. And he's true light from true light as he wanted to show them in the transfiguration that light that day in the transfiguration the eastern church has it right they really get into this this unchangeable light of God they saw it in the transfiguration Peter James and John are called to go in further with Jesus and in uh Matthew in the Beatitudes Jesus said blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God so Jesus is going to show them God. He's going to show them the divine light in the transfiguration because they're heading to the cross. They're heading to an exodus, to a departure, and it's going to be hard. And he wants them to know the glory that awaits them if they stick it out. So he transfigures himself in this amazing light And Hebrews 1 says, God has spoken to us by a son whom he appointed heir of all things through whom also he created the world. Jesus reflects the glory of God and bears the very stamp of his nature upholding the universe by his word of power. Other translations say that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory or the brightness of God's glory or the refulgence of God's glory, which is my personal favorite. Jesus Christ is the refulgence of God's glorious light. St. Paul saw this unchangeable light on the road to Damascus. It blinded him didn't blind anybody else. But God showed Paul his unchangeable light and Paul was blinded by the light. This unchangeable light of God that made his eyes have scales over them. That's how searing it was. This uncreated light because he was filling Paul with his grace and calling him to conversion to a new creation that's what he does. He creates. He didn't stop doing that. How many in here have had a new creation? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times in your life already, right? That's his job. He keeps creating and recreating us. Moses knew this unchangeable light. When he first saw the burning bush, that's the uncreated light of God. It didn't burn the tree. It didn't consume the tree. The Trinity is all present in this, in this light, this unchangeable light of god and moses was scared he was moved with fear and he removed his sandals and he said this is a holy place and when he went up to the mount to sinai to get to speak with god directly remember and he came back down and his face was glowing with the radiant light of god the uncreated unchangeable light and the people he he was basking in the glory of god and the people said put a scarf on it dude <laughs> They couldn't take it. They couldn't look at him. It seared their eyes. He was too bright. He had God on his face. That's the unchangeable light of God. It's present in the scriptures. And sometimes when people have a near-death experience and they come back, what do they say? I saw a light. I was going towards the light. The uncreated light of God. That's the first day. Okay? (laughs) Okay. Second day. See how much theology is in Genesis. Second day, God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. And God called the vault sky. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas and god saw that it was good why because every single thing god creates is good god cannot create evil it's not in his nature the third day god said let the land produce vegetation seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds and it was so the land produced vegetation Plants bearing seed according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed according to their kinds and god saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning the third day you hear this read at the easter vigil then the fourth day god said let there be lights now these are a different kind of light than the eternal light in the first day god said let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate now look the little d day and the little end night god's marking time now god's marking time a way to measure a way to govern 12 hours will govern the day 12 hours will govern the night let them serve as signs to mark sacred times jewish feast days holidays and days and years and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth and it was so because when god speaks the word it happens created god made two great lights the greater light to govern the day the lesser light to govern the night oh yeah and by the way (laughs) right from our conference with father ricardo oh yeah just by the way he also made the stars it's just a little side note father ricardo mentioned this at our 10-year uh anniversary conference he was talking about big dog remember that is canis majoris it's a constellation containing sirius the star sirius or its other name is big dog it's the brightest star visible from any part of the earth it's called sirius and it's in the constellation of canis major the greater dog there's big dog the constellation there's sirius there's little dog, which is Canis minor, and there's big dog, which is Canis major, and Sirius is the biggest star of the biggest dog. So big dog, there he is. And the ancients knew this. This, this it comes out in the summer, that's why we call it the Dog Days of Summer. And the Egyptians knew it. This was the Egyptian symbol for Sirius. The star Sirius was the ancient Egyptian personification of the star Sirius. ancient Mesopotamian astronomers, the Babylonians knew all about this constellation and this star. The Greek and Romans knew about this constellation. The ancient Chinese astronomers knew about this constellation. Ancient astronomers all over the world knew about this constellation and the radial arms of Sirius. And Sirius XM knew about this constellation because they named their radio station this, which was brilliant. Really. And look at, look at their uh, logo. Big dog. Big dog and Sirius the star pretty good one. Sirius is classified as an astronomer's type A star. That means it's the it's hotter. It's a hotter star than our sun. The surface temperature is 1700 degrees Fahrenheit. Our sun is only 10,000 degrees. And at 8.6 light years in distance, Sirius is one of the nearest stars to us after the sun. And a light year, by the way, is nearly 6 trillion miles. So at 8.6 times further Sirius is 51.6 trillion miles away from us and we can still see it as the brightest star in the sky. With slightly more than twice the mass of the sun and just less than twice its diameter, Sirius puts out 26 more times energy than our sun. And it's a main sequence star, so it produces most of its energy by converting hydrogen into helium through nuclear fission. Oh yeah, so by the way, he made the stars. Amazing. How amazing is our God? God also made the stars. And God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth to govern the day or the night to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. On the fifth day, God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea, every living thing with which the water teems, and that moves about in it according to their kinds. And every winged bird according to its kind and god saw that it was good surprise because god only creates good and his first command was to these fish and to these birds be fruitful increase fill in number increase on the earth the sixth day god said let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds livestock creatures that move on the ground wild animals according to its kind sometimes that gets lost on modern ears But he lists livestock, creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals. Livestock, if you look it up, are domesticated farm animals. They are regarded as an asset to humankind, like sheep and cattle and pigs. And God said the creatures that move along the ground, like amphibians and reptiles and, oh yeah, snakes, and wild animals, each according to its kind, like lions and tigers and bears, Oh, my. Yes. (laughs) And God saw that it was good. Of course it was. Surprise, because God only makes good. And while we're still on the sixth day with the lion and tiger and bears, God created us. Male and female, he created us. In his image and likeness, he created us. We're the only ones, the only ones in his image. In his likeness. That they may rule over fish, over livestock, over wild animals, over birds, over creatures, over that snake. And God did this in plural. Because if you listen to his language, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. Who's he talking to? The Trinity. Jesus and the Holy Spirit. It's plural, plural, plural. Us, our, our. God's a trinity of persons, three in one. That they may rule. So we... Are the top dogs of all creation. And we'll take that up again more next week. But we're different than all the other created beings. God is pure spirit and we're made in his image and likeness. And at the time of the incarnation, that unchangeable light of God would enter the world. I'm sure the manger was just flooded with light that night. That's why God protected him from going to the inn because everyone would have known their identity then because this light, this unchangeable light of God, must have flooded the manger. And his story becomes our story because he enters history at that time. God said, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness that they, plural, could rule over everything else. So God is giving us dominion as human beings that we would rule over everything else. Now, I just saw this advertisement, Save the Kittens, and it says, we save these angels from the streets, but many more out there still need our help. Number one, these aren't angels. They're (laughs) kittens, okay? People don't turn into angels, we're creatures. Kittens are kittens, not, (laughs) not angels. And as cute as kittens are, they don't have the unchangeable light of God within them. Okay, I've got nothing against kittens, but we're both created on the same day, and one is in the image and likeness of God, and the other is not. Do you know which is which? <laughs> yeah, I'm checking everybody here. There are the cat lovers. Uh huh. Okay. Where are the cat ladies? Because that child has nobility. Because that child is a beloved son of God. And saving the cats is fine. Nothing wrong with saving the cats. But if you saw the movie Unplanned a few months ago, you saw that babies are being put in barrels, pieces, and parts, and shipped out of abortion clinics around our country every day. And they have nobility. And they have dignity and they are created in the image and likeness of God and their pieces and parts in barrels while we're trying to save kitty cats. (coughs) I made little crowns for each of the babies in the barrels. And that's why it's important and thank you to all of you who go and pray at the abortion clinics because these prayers are heard and hearts are changed by the quiet witness of peaceful prayer. And we know this story that Abby Johnson had two abortions herself and was running abortion clinics across the country for Planned Parenthood. And one day she was asked to assist with an ultrasound guided abortion on September 26th of 2009. And she watched in horror for the first time a 13 week old baby fight for its life and ultimately lose at the hand of an abortionist. And very shortly after that, within days she resigned from Planned Parenthood. And her life was forever changed because she was recreated by the uncreated light of God, the grace of God inside her, the image of God inside her, recreated her heart for something new. And soon after her resignation, Abby Johnson began volunteering with the coalition for life, which regularly prayed outside her own Planned Parenthood clinic. And now she has a ministry called And Then There Were None, and she has helped over 430 workers leave the abortion industry because if there's no workers in these places, there'll be less babies killed. She and her husband converted to Catholicism in 2012. They had four kids then. They have seven children now. God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And my friends, creation tells a story, a great story. And we're off to a good start. Let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, Father God, Holy Spirit, the Trinity, all involved in creation, we thank you for creation. We thank you for the way it speaks to our hearts. We thank you for the beauty in your creation that's a transcendent. We thank you for all you want to teach us today. We thank you that the light of Christ entered the world and entered our hearts, and we became a temple of your indwelling Holy Spirit. May we go this week and show that unchangeable light of God to the rest of the world, amen. Amen, God bless you, bye. That was part two of the book of Genesis chapter one on Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. To learn more about Seeking Truth Bible Studies, visit SeekingTruth.net. Tune in next time for more Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran.